Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Trish, your bartender. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender. And today we're going to be talking about the mysterious death of Blair Adams. This does not ring any bells to me, but Sloan was telling me about it, and it's a Canadian man. And um, I just find it funny that we both did um, not like American kind of stories, I guess you could say. Like they're yeah. both like mine, mine was from Australia, hers has to deal with like a Canadian man. It's it's funny. <laughs> we mine both said does, peace out. <laughs> yeah. Mine does end up back in the south, which yeah. is kind of how I found it. But yes. But it's we still were funny. both like deuces. We need <laughs> to get out of this country immediately today. But, yeah, I'm excited to learn what this is all about. And, yeah, with that being said, we'll kick it off to the episode. Welcome back to another round of drinks with your bartender, Trish. And today we're going to be doing the first drink that I was ever made growing up. And that was an amaretto Sour. Grand, when my mom made it for me, um, it was basically more sour than it was amaretto, just because... This was, like, at New Year's parties when I was just, like, at home and everybody else was drinking and I wasn't 21 yet. (laughs) So, mom, just to make us feel better, would literally give us, like, barely any amaretto and then, like, a bunch of sour and be like, yeah, you have a drink. Sure. (laughs) Well, and, like, some amarettos are uh, lighter in liqueur and then some are heavier. No, I'm talking, like, oh, we'd maybe get an ounce and then everything else to fill, like, yeah. our freaking 16-ounce cup was, yeah. <laughs> like, sour or ice. <laughs> it was, like, a very, very light... Uh... I drank virgin margaritas as a kid, which is pure citrus mix <laughs> So, uh, I am not judging by yeah. any means. <clears throat> I, love, I love a good sour drink. Oh, yeah. But we're going to do... A actual Amara Sour today, and that is going to be the thing with Amara Sours. You can make them really as strong as you want them to be, but what we're going to do is two ounces of your Amaretto, whether that's Di Sirono or like one of the other not like name like brand ones. It doesn't matter. All Amaros to me basically taste the same. But you want two ounces of your amaretto. And then about three ounces of your sour mix. Like I said, if you want a little more sour, you can do just a little bit more. Maybe less amaretto. It's really up to you. The great thing about this, it's two ingredients and you can kind of vary it to your taste. And then 
you want to be fancy and you want to do like any bartenders trained, anything that is usually a sour, you throw a little cherry into and you serve it. You always want to do this with ice. Like you can either shake it and pour it into a glass or you can literally build this over ice. It really doesn't matter. Just make sure that if you do build it over ice, you give it a little stir. But yeah, throw in a maraschino cherry. And just enjoy and it is a simple easy drink that any bartender should know if you go out somewhere or if you just are at home and you want something simple to make it's a nice easy go-to a lot of people don't ever think about it but it is one of my guilty pleasures I guess you could say and yeah highly suggest trying it out if you have something that you maybe throw in to spice it up, let us know. And yeah, that being said, we'll kick you off to the episode. Blair Adams was your average young Canadian man. His mother describes him as kind and ambitious. While it was public knowledge that her son struggled with alcoholism, she's adamant that he did not suffer from a mental illness ever, much less in the weeks leading up to his death. Blair Adams was a foreman for his stepfather's construction company, SS Cedar Homes, in Surrey, British Columbia. His friends and family say that he liked his job and he did it well. And in late 1955, 1995, Blair went to Frankfurt, Germany to work on an assisted living facility for his stepdad's construction company. Huh. While in Frankfurt, Blair met a woman at a party in November, and the two began dating. This woman told detectives that Blair was a gentleman, whereas some, including men that he worked with in Germany, portrayed him as an abrasive and confrontational character who occasionally got into fights. So it's, you, you hear very conflicting stories about what his personality is. However, in the summer of 1996, Blair's cheery demeanor began to change. According to his mother, Sandra Edwards, Blair began having wild mood swings. She's quoted as saying, Something was obviously very much the matter. He hadn't been sleeping well. Something was wrong. I asked him numerous times what was wrong, and he said, I don't think I should tell you about it. And to this day, I don't know what it is. And to me, I'm just kind of like, how can you say for certain that he wasn't struggling with a mental illness if you're also sitting here saying he's struggling with mood swings, he's struggling with sleep, and paranoia. To me, those are all very characteristic markers of mental illness. Not that every mental illness is markered by those, but like they're very pink flags, yeah, as we like to call them around here. Blair's strange behavior came to a head on Friday, July 5th, 1996. He withdrew his entire savings and he emptied out his safe deposit box of more than $6,000 in cash and thousands more in jewelry, gold, and platinum before fleeing Canada for the crackhead downstairs neighbor, United States of America. I was like, dude, what do you need all this money for? And then you're like, he's going to America. Yeah, dude, you need that money. <laughs> yeah. So, on Sunday, July 7th, Blair tried to board a ferry from Victoria to Seattle, 
but as an unmarried young man carrying a large amount of cash and other valuables, Blair fit the profile of a drug trafficker and was flagged. (laughs) I'm sure. Suspicions intensified when he lied about having no criminal history, despite having convictions of drug and assault charges. So... I could not find the story behind the drug and assault charges, but once again, he has assault charges, but his mother and some friends are very adamant that he's always just nice and easygoing, and from the outside looking in, it's very easy to pass judgments and assumptions. I'm just saying that these are pink flags. it's just, it's one of those things where you sit there and you go, I mean... Are you just choosing not to see this side of him? Or is he able to hide this from you? And either are very likely or plausible. And there's also something to say that, you know, a mother's love is blinding. Yes. And there's also another thing to say, does she have a mental illness that she is not diagnosed with so these things that are alarming to us on the outside are things that she's dealt with her whole life and they're just normal yeah once again it's really easy to pass judgments and suspicion and like assumptions from this point of view and hindsight and all of that these are just things that go through my mind whenever i'm reading this case the next day blair showed up at his job but not to work Instead, he asked his boss for his check and quit his job on the spot before going on a small road trip. On this road trip, he visited a girlfriend in Vancouver, a friend in New Westminster, and his mother in Surrey. He spoke tearfully about quitting the same job he had boasted about loving just a week earlier, and he seemed very anxious and very, like, he was very adamant that he did not want to stay at his apartment by himself. (sighs) That sounds a bit bipolar. That's kind of where I was going with this. The fact that, you know, people that he hangs out with for a long period of time say that he's happy-go-lucky and whatnot. And then people that spend the next few months with him say that he's very moody and, like, angry and has anger issues. And it, to me, it does kind of sound like bipolar. And that's why I mentioned, you know, perhaps his mom might have bipolar and she just doesn't see it in him because they are things that she's been through her whole life and hasn't they're they're just normal to her because in her generation once again he's in his 30s and the 90s so she's in her 60s you know whenever she was in her 20s and 30s it was very hard to get the mental help that we needed that our parents and our grandparents needed Because if you got mental help, you were looked down upon. And now we're finally coming around to, we all need mental help, you know? Like, we all need to work through shit. Therapy is not a bad thing. It is a very good thing. But that was not the narrative 30, 60, 80 years ago. So that's why I kind of think that maybe she also had what... You get what I'm saying. Anyways. So he did not want to stay at his apartment by himself. Blair's erratic behavior continued, and that afternoon he spent $1,600 on a round-trip ticket to Frankfurt, Germany, on a flight that would leave the next day. 
But just hours after buying the ticket, Blair returned the tickets, saying that his girlfriend that he was going to go see in Germany was sick and he was unable to go, so he needed the money back. His ex-girlfriend in Germany did not know that he had any plans of coming to see her. So this kind of seems like, once again, he's either trying to get out of the country or he wanted to make it look like he was getting out of the country to somebody and then took the ticket back to get the cash back. Once again, Blair is desperate to get into the United States. He showed up at a friend's house in a panic, terrified that someone was trying to kill him, but his friend was unable to take him over the border. This wasn't the first friend that Blair had confided in about someone trying to kill him either. The German girlfriend reported to detectives that Blair dreaded violence from former co-workers who had recently returned from Germany to Canada. On Tuesday, July 9th, instead of leaving for Germany, Blair turned in his tickets, rented a car, and headed back for the Canadian-U.S. border. This time, he managed to get through. He ended up in Seattle, where he bought a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C., A quote from one of the detectives on the case says he paid $770 for a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. when he could have purchased a round-trip ticket for $350 to $400. So it would have been half the price for a round-trip ticket, but he paid for a one-way ticket. It just seems very unusual. Yeah. Blair arrives in Washington, D.C. early Wednesday morning and immediately leaves to head to Knoxville, Tennessee, more than 500 miles southwest. So, if you are not familiar with geography of America, this dude flew from the northwest corner, the Canadian-U.S. border, to the east coast to drive back towards middle America. I mean, Knoxville's not middle middle America by any means, but he easily could have flown straight to Knoxville from Seattle. It might have cost a little bit less, too, but he drives to Knoxville. Perry Moyers, a detective for the Knox County Sheriff's Department, said, I mean, why go to D.C. to turn around and come back to Knoxville? He had no reason to be in East Tennessee. He had no reason to be in Knoxville, and he knew no one in East Tennessee or the eastern United States. Blair was first seen at a gas station in Knoxville around 5.30 p.m. that afternoon. He complained to the gas station attendant that his car would not start, and the attendant told him that he had the wrong keys. However, the rental car company was already closed for the day. Blair was stranded in Knoxville until the morning, and luckily, but luckily he was able to hitch a ride to a nearby hotel. So this is kind of fishy to me, because this is the 1990s, this is not... You know, today where we have the touch start keys and you can drive away with the car activated, but you won't be able to restart it. He had to have the key to put it in the ignition to get it to the gas station. And then once he got to the gas station, he turned the car off to fill it up. And then all of a sudden he couldn't restart his car with the car key that he had. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a whole lot of weird. So, he makes it to the hotel, and Tika Hartsville, an employee at the hotel, remembered Blair vividly. She said the best way to describe him would be paranoid. He was just very nervous, agitated, expecting someone to come in on him, even though there wasn't anybody there. 
I don't know who he was looking for, but he was waiting for somebody to walk in for him. Once again, he is so far away from home. So why all of this anxiety? The hotel security camera showed that in the space of an hour, Blair went in and out of the lobby five times before finally paying for the room. After checking in, Blair pocketed the key to his room, but instead of going to his room, he marched out the front door and never came back. It was 7.37 p.m. That was the last time Blair Adams was known to be alive. Twelve hours later, Blair's body was found in a parking lot about a half a mile from his hotel. He was beaten and naked from the waist down, with German, Canadian, and U.S. currency totaling near nearly $4,000 and a small pack holding another $2,000 in gold and jewelry. That's another fishy thing to me, because why would he have German money on him when he bought and canceled the flight within 12 hours of each other? The Canadian currency, the U.S. currency, I understand. The German currency is another... It's a, that's a red flag. That's not even a pink flag. That's a red flag for me. Lieutenant Jones recalled the gruesome scene. Quote, His pants were removed in a way not like someone would take their own pants off, but in a way that someone else would remove your pants from you. His socks were turned inside out, and his shoes were off, and his shirt was ripped open. End quote. Detectives also found a black duffel bag nearby that contained maps and various travel receipts. According to the autopsy report, Blair had sustained many cuts and abrasions. Police believe some of the wounds came from fending off the attack. Blair was ultimately killed by a violent blow that ruptured his stomach. Furthermore, there was evidence of sexual assault and a blow to the head. So, like, this dude really fucking went through it. Detectives believe that a club or a crowbar of some sort was used in the attack, but it was clear that Blair put up a fight to defend himself. The only clue about Blair's assailant was a strand of hair that was found on his body, but no DNA match has been made to date. The only person who reported hearing anything out of the ordinary was a security guard at a nearby business. He told detectives he heard an abrupt scream around 3.30 a.m., but he believed it to be a woman's voice. It was a concern to many that perhaps Blair relapsed from a life of sobriety, but the autopsy proved them wrong. Blair had no drugs or alcohol in his system, according to the autopsy. And although Blair thought his life was in danger, authorities believed the threat was imaginary and that Blair's journey was an escape from his own delusions. So, I found this case on Reddit. Good old Reddit. Good old Reddit. And I copied a few of like the theories slash thoughts that stood out to me on reddit that i wanted to discuss the first is from site unseen 1337 they said i think this is really interesting because he did all the right things to throw off someone following him this was 1996 you couldn't just google how to evade capture also i suspect the first failure to enter the u.s was intentional as was quote losing his keys Tennessee would make a logical choice because it's a large state away from the borders and oceans, and the Germany flight was also to throw off whoever was following him. Society handles paranoia badly. The claims of paranoid people should at at least be investigated before being outright dismissed. So I wanted to talk about this one for a few reasons, because I agree with pretty much everything that they said here. Like, I didn't think about it until they said it, but, you know... 
it all could have been a great plan to evade somebody if he really thought somebody was following him. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about here is the paranoia aspect. And he definitely could have been paranoid for good reason. And he could have been paranoid because of mental illness. But either way, his claims were valid and they should have been looked into. And he could have still been here today. Yeah. Uh, The next one is from OM underscore Funkenstein. And they said, a ruptured stomach wouldn't be instantly fatal. So he is behaving erratically and gets in a fight. Afterwards, he staggers off. He is having pains in the stomach, so he tries to remove the pressure on his stomach by emptying his pockets and unbuttoning his pants. It wouldn't have been a peaceful death. He still has his valuables because robbery wasn't the motive, and the person he got in the fight with probably doesn't even know he died. So that was a very interesting thought, is that, you know, perhaps just because of where he was found doesn't mean that's where the incident happened, and that's why there's not as much evidence uh the hair that they found on him was in his palm and so it's just as easily assumed that the hair got stuck in his palm wounds whenever he fell to the ground or something it doesn't necessarily mean that that hair was his assailants if we are assuming that this happened somewhere else yeah and the third one the last one that I want to bring up is from Fox Fire. They say, scenario two, same as before, he unbuttons his pants and they naturally fall around his ankles. They aren't removed completely because he was only concerned about relieving the pressure on his stomach. As he stumbles trying to walk, the leg of the legs of his pants get pulled inside out over his shoes and eventually pull them off his feet. The money is thrown around not because he deliberately took it out of his pockets, but because it fell out of them as his pants dragged on the ground while he was stumbling or thrashing around. So that's also an interesting little tidbit. I did find on one random source that I could not validate that he was found in a a construction site. Everywhere else that I found said that he was found in a parking lot. And... If it was a construction site or a construction parking lot, maybe it was somebody from one of his previous jobs after him. Maybe it was somebody in the construction business coming after him. But I could not find any further truth to back that up. So that's just like a tinfoil hat conspiracy to add on here. I I don't know what I believe here. I don't know. I can easily believe that he was a man that just needed help and might have had something going on with him mentally that could have been solved, but he just as easily could have actually had somebody out for him to get him. And unfortunately, we do not have any answers right now, but far reach. But if you have any answers about this case, please contact authorities because It would be awesome for his family to know what actually happened to this man. Yeah. But hope you enjoyed this case and we'll kick you off to the last call. All right. Welcome back to another last call with your bartender, Trish. And with the whole uh, new space images that have been released, which if you have not seen, you need to go look at because they are absolutely beautiful. 
I thought I would do some interesting space facts. So the first one that I have is the moon is actually lemon shaped, which did not realize, but I guess that kind of explains the whole, like, you know, we have the crescent moon and stuff like that. So, despite its appearance in the night sky, our, na our natural satellite is nowhere near round. The moon is shaped like a lemon with flattened poles and bulges on both the near and far sides around its equator. This strange shape is thought to have been created during interactions with Earth soon after its formation. So, that's interesting. Because, no, I've never seen anything be like, hey, you know, it's not round, right? Number two. Clouds at the center of the Milky Way, smell of rum, taste of raspberries, and are packed with booze. So we're taking a trip to space. Sounds great. <laughs> Nate. <laughs> In 2009, astronomers exploring a giant cloud of gas and dust at the center of the Milky Way made a surprising discovery. The cloud was packed full of a chemical known as ethyl formate, which has a couple of intriguing properties. It is responsible for giving raspberries their flavor and has the smell of rum. Another nearby region is also notable as it's full of ethyl alcohol or ethanol, the type we use to make alcoholic beverages. It, con it contains Enough alcohol to supply every person on the planet with 300,000 pints of beer per day for the next billion years. Again, when we leave. <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> right. Now, it does say that the proof for the beer would be very low with an alcohol content of less than 1%. So, we're not going to get shwasted, but still, I can go to, you're saying I can go to space and get some alcohol. Number three, on Mercury, a day lasts twice as long as a year. So, technically, one Mercurian day lasts 59 Earth days, while a year lasts 88. However, due to Mercury's very eccentric orbit and alignment with the sun, the length of time from sunrise to, to sunrise, known as a solar day, is equal to 176 Earth days, twice as long as a Mercurian year. Uh, number four, if your spacesuit started leaking, you could survive for a couple of minutes. Although films such as Total Recall show instant explosions and rapidly puffed up spacesuits, the effects of being exposed to space are slightly less dramatic. 
Although it would definitely be unpleasant, you could survive for a couple of minutes. After around 10 seconds, you would lose consciousness. The low pressure of the vacuum would cause your blood to boil along with other bodily fluids. The boiling alone would not be fatal due to the pressure maintained by your blood vessels. I'm just like, it, it still does not sound pleasant. <laughs> Uh, number five, one teaspoonful of Neutron Star would weigh the same as the entire human population. So, a Neutron Star's density is mind-boggling. These stars are composed most, almost entirely of neutrons packed together in a tiny radius. Just a teaspoonful of this material would weigh over a trillion kilograms, more than the weight of the entire human population, which reaches a few hundred billion kilograms. Number six, gamma ray bursts can release more energy in 10 seconds than our sun will in its entire life. I'm trying to see if it says anything. Nope, that one doesn't really have anything, like, too much to explain other than some very, uh, scientific-sounding words. <laughs> Number seven, there are stars we will never be able to see, which I think if anybody really studies space and that, like, you, you know that. There's just stars that are so many light years away that, like, never, never be able to see them all that's why we are not the only life form uh-huh we can't even see it all yep number eight black holes have theoretic theoretical opposites known as white holes black holes are known for their ferocious appetites their influence is so strong that even light can't escape their gravity, but they have theoretical con converse white holes. They are effectively the opposite of the dark relative sp spitting out light and matter instead of trapping it. Uh, number nine, if Jupiter's magnetic field were visible, it would appear bigger than the moon. Which, Jupiter is its own, um, interesting little thing. Like, oh yeah, uh, what is it, the, the telescope that just took the picture? Yes. Um, NASA's been hinting that they're about to release something from within our, within our own solar system from the same telescope and a lot of people think that they're going to be releasing one of Jupiter's moons and if that's the case I'm about to be fangirling yes. <laughs> like so hard there was a TikTok I saw that said if I think it was like if you went to Jupiter and took a picture from like the same like basically the same time that the picture that we have of Jupiter, like, it would be from a picture of the Earth from, like, years past. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just, like, mind-boggling to think that if you went somewhere and took a picture, like, it's not the same Earth we're currently living on. The one that I saw that was along the same lines, it's talking about the nebula that they just photographed. And she was like, if somebody took a picture of Earth from that nebula, it would be the same thing. They would have been capturing, like, the building of the pyramids. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, it's just, it's crazy. I cannot wrap my head around it. No. I have a conspiracy theory to share at the end of this. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Number 10. Neptune has only completed one orbit around the sun since its discovery. Wow. <laughs> right? That's ne crazy. Neptune takes a whopping 165 years to complete one full orbit around the sun. That's, once again, I can't wrap my head around it. Space is just crazy. I would rather wrap my head around conspiracy theories. <laughs> so one of our friends slash listeners sent me a conspiracy theory TikTok. And she was like, what if Area 51 is actually the exit? Like, all of Earth is Area 51 to the universe. And that's why they're trying to keep us from Area 51, because it's the way that we get out. Put on your tinfoil hats for that right. one, guys. <laughs> uh, number 11, planets can wander through space without apparent star. Not all planets form and stay around stars. Astronomers estimate that there could be more than... 200 billion of them floating free and drifting through our galaxy. Well, that's what they're trying to say Pluto does, right? Yeah. Like Pluto floats in and out of our galaxy or something like that. Pluto is always a planet in my heart. Yes. F what you say. <laughs> These rogue planets were thought to have been kicked out of their home systems. <laughs> so, we've so... kicked out Pluto, so I mean, I think we sure. adopted Pluto and yes. he goes back to his other home. <laughs> he said, Fuck this place. <laughs> uh, don't blame him. Uh, number 12, the sun loses a billion kilos per second. Uh, particles in the sun's upper atmosphere are so hot and energetic that they speed out into space as part of a solar wind. So. Again, space is just a weird, weird place. But it's so fascinating. Number 13. Most sun-like stars in our galaxy are in multiple star systems. So again, you know, we're so wrapped up with, like, our galaxy and whatnot. But yet, they're... Like, there's so much things saying, like, there's other galaxies and that. So you cannot say we're the only life force, okay? Uh, number 14, vast amounts of water have been found in space. Earth's oceans may not be that unique. Three of Jupiter's moons and two of Saturn's are thought to have underwater seas. So, that's the whole thing, like, with them being like, if we ever left like this planet where will we go because you'd need like you know a atmosphere like ours and that you'd need water and all that um there's plenty of places that have the water it's just their atmosphere is not always the um most friendly 
Number 15, there is gravity on the ISS. Footage of astronauts on the ISS, which if you don't know what that is, it's the International Space. Yeah. Like, it gives the impression of a gravity-free environment, but on board, gravity is actually only 10 to 11% weaker than it is on Earth's surface, which is crazy. I've been watching Big Bang Theory, and we just, <laughs> we just finished the episode. You get uh, Howard in space. Yes. <laughs> so that's all I'm seeing in my head right now is him floating around the space station. <laughs> of course I can hear you, Mom. Everybody can hear you. <laughs> I, I also, love Big Bang. I, I, yes. I also... Like, I literally cannot watch Big Bang Theory without thinking of a Cinderella story with Hilary Duff. Because Howard's Howard, the creep. I know he He's is. the creep from a Cinderella story. He's the one that cacaws on the <laughs> dance floor. That's, that's all I see. Oh, that's all I see. Uh, number 16. Our days are getting longer. Earth's spin speed is slowing every year. It takes our planet a little longer to complete one full revolution on its axis. I knew it kept filling longer. Yep. But also the years are getting shorter. Yes. The moon is getting farther away every year is the next little fact. The moon exerts a pull on Earth causing our planet to be slightly egg-shaped. It affects water even more, creates tides, and causes the oceans to pile up towards one side of the planet, forming a tidal bulge. Um, the moon pulls back on it effectively to slow it down and causing Earth's rotation rate to gradually slow down over time as a result. And I think this is the last little fact, number 18. Heat from the Big Bang is still around today. The early universe consisted of a hot soup of ionized gas, a sort of opaque plasma. About 380,000 years after the Big Bang, this gas cooled significantly enough that atoms were able to form. I guess that's really kind of like the last, like, little, because it gets into a bunch of other stuff that I'm like, I'm not here for. But <laughs> it's just, it's... It's always so interesting to look up, like, little space things. And like I said, as we're getting new pictures from, like, space, I, it's just, it's been so cool. I have been geeking out. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about with pictures and you have a TikTok, my favorite person to follow is the Space Gal. And she, like, she has so much great stuff on hers right now. She has one TikTok where she compares the Hubble to the current photos and just the difference between the two. Are it's eight. crazy. It's it's crazy what technology is doing. This is the kind of shit that my husband's tr been trying to get me interested in, <laughs> like, our entire relationship. And now I'm sending him these videos and he's like, I fucking know, you bitch. <laughs> He would never say that to me. That's just my internalized monologue. I have to ask him if he knows that there's gas that is alcoholic in space. And why he did not let us know before now. But we'll let you know what he says about that later. In the meantime, you can check us out on our socials. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. They are all tequila she wrote across the board. 
We also have our email if you have any fun facts about space or anything else. Any case suggestions, recipes, cocktails, beer, liquor, whatever. wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up. I've been doing my best to get all caught up. For the most part, you do have all of like, the episodes that you'll find on your Spotify and that up there. And they will be ad-free on there. And for as little as $2 a month, you can get those ad-free episodes and you'll get a bonus episode. And if you do our other tiers, you can get haunted episodes, Rooney in Paradise, all that fun stuff. There's also some merch. Like I said, it's still kind of a work in progress, but we're getting there. I'm getting better about making time for it and everything. But if you think we're missing out on something there, please let us know. We are open to suggestions. But easiest way to find us at Patreon is by going to our link tree, which is linked in like... I know it's definitely on our Instagram and other stuff, but you can go there. There is a Patreon link that you can click and it should send you straight to our page. Or if you go to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote, it should bring you straight to our page. If you can't find it... Reach Let out. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out the best we can. <laughs> but with that being said, thanks gonna... for riding on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. beep.